Got time for a quick story. When I was about nine, ten years old, I really got into the space program, like NASA, other space programs around the world. It was was a fascination of mine. I would get all of these books on space exploration. I was following along with space shuttle flights, the return to flight. A couple years after the Challenger disaster, I was all in on that. And I would imagine myself being in the space shuttle home from school and you know doing kid stuff and you start reading and then you like go okay I'm gonna play like I'm an astronaut and I'm strapped in and it's launch time and yeah that that it's the sort of thing you dream about when you're a kid alas did not become an astronaut though interestingly my fifth grade teacher did think one day I could become the public affairs announcer for NASA being the voice of launches and landings and such. And while that um, thus far hasn't happened, well, I did get into announcing for a career, and I'm still very much interested in space. So the dream, in a weird way, kind of came true. Dreaming is key for people of any age, especially kids. But any age, uh, it, it, it applies for that. Sylvia dreamt of being a famous singer, and, and she was. She had numerous country hits in the early to mid-1980s, one of which nobody crossed over to the pop charts, became a top 15 hit. Ended up uh, leading to her winning an ACM award in 1983. She's had quite the successful career. And she just released a new album called Nature Child, A Dreamer's Journey. And the topic of dreaming and believing comes up in this album of what you can do if you put your mind to something. And I got the opportunity to talk to Sylvia about this new album, Nature Child, A A Dreamer's Journey. Here's the interview. Really cool album. I've listened through it uh, now three times um, since since the release. One was part of an interview you did and that had uh, from last week that had all all the songs and a couple other times as well. So really familiarizing myself with all the music on it is... I'll, I'll start by saying having a daughter who's about to turn a year old in 11 days, um, a lot of the lyrics, and I know it's not like a children's album per se, but the, uh, the, there's some of that in there. And the notion of inspiring and dreaming, and I know you've, as you've talked about in this, talking about this album, that's, that's a core element to it. So it, it struck me a certain way. How? What was your first inspiration to do this album, and how did you? How did you want to direct the the lyrics and the message towards? Is it for kids? Is it for anyone? All of that. How did that all happen? Well, the initial inspiration was for kids because in the '80s, when I was touring full time, like 250 days a year, I was just amazed. It really from the time nobody hit that song hit mm-hmm. really big and crossed over. There were just a lot of kids that came to the shows they loved the bouncy feel of that song and, uh, even though it had an adult theme really you know kids loved it i had so many little kids bring their 45s for me to sign you know it's like 45s were almost over then and they kind of had a resurgence because all these little kids wanted to buy the record and uh, so i mean it sold like two million singles it's it's, it's just incredible mm-hmm. so As I was looking back over that decade of touring, I realized, boy, wouldn't it be cool to have some music 
uh, with messages of things I'd want to say to a child, to these little eight, seven, six, ten-year-olds that came to the shows. And, and this album was really born from that idea of wanting to write some music that I would actually, of things I would want to share with these kids. Uh, things that I think are important for all of us to hear, no matter what age we are, really. Like, I love you for who you are and, you know, use your imagination. You know, I think so so often as we grow up into adulthood, we're really kind of pressured by our culture to put away playful things and just get to work, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think we can do both. We can work, we can be responsible, and we can t carve out time in our lives to use our imaginations and play. And, and create a life, because we're creating our lives every day, whether we're aware of it or not. Mm -hmm. uh, we are creative beings, we're creating our days, so why not create some fun and, and you know, and really I think this music is, is pointing people inward to listen to their own inner inner child. So it's really for, for the child of all ages, but for, the, for kids and for, for the, the child within us all. How biographical are the lyrics how biographical is the album to your life i think it's very biographical actually autobiographical it's um my whole life i've been a dreamer even my earliest memories you know at three years old i was watching american bandstand and you know had kind of a premonition that i was going to be on there one day and um yeah it's very much f from a place of of experience within my own life experience. I, I have been a dreamer and continue to dream. I've, I've read a lot about dreamers in my life and one of the dreamers I've I read about was uh, Tom uh, was uh, Albert Einstein and Albert Einstein used his imagination every day and it's one of the reasons why we have some of the amazing uh, science that we have today is a lot of the theories that that have been proven now um, so he would he would take naps throughout the day and he would hold a ball in his hand as he sat in his chair and when he would drop off to sleep and get into that in, in between place between sleep and wake he, he his hand would open the ball would drop he would wake up and he'd realize he was in this little reverie and his subconscious would be working on the 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 clues or the even the answers sometimes to the to the problems he was working on so i'm a big proponent of of having a rich inner life, which I have. So in that way, yes, it's very autobiographical. This isn't just woo-woo whimsy. I mean, I, I feel like I'm creating my life and I created what I dreamed about even as a child. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Manifesting it, if you will. Um, yes, absolutely. What it, the, the lyric in Don't, Afraid, Don't Be Afraid to Dream, actually, it kind of reminded me of my childhood um, growing up in the 80s. I was big into the space program at that point. And I mean, this is shuttle era. This is way past, as I, as I know you're talking about in the 60s and Apollo and and, and that. But I, that was my, my genesis of getting interested in, in that era. And I remember I'd lie in my bed as a kid and imagine myself strapped in in the shuttle, getting ready to launch. And I, as, as I'm listening to the song, I'm like, well, I can completely relate to that. Now, yes. granted, I'd never ended up on the moon. I'm pretty sure I'm never going to get up there, though the way space travel is going, you never know at this point. Any of us could find ourselves up there at some point pretty soon. But it it struck me as a universal thing that, and even if maybe the dream doesn't quite go as you imagine, like I said, it didn't end up as an astronaut, it's still something to go, okay, how can I get into this other world 
the notion of imagination, and that ties to that other song, love the riddles in that, and all the imagination one can have. Yes, I, 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 that song, Imagination, and when, uh, let me just, before we leave, Don't Be Afraid to Dream, the first verse really is autobiographical. It, it was me singing along with the radio. In fact, I originally used to sing the song when I was a little girl. But when I got into the recording project for this album, I realized, no, I want to make it more universal. Once there was a little girl, you know, it's because lots of little boys and girls sing along with the radio or along with the Internet or stream you know they they're singing along imagining themselves on stage singing too so i didn't want it to just be about me i wanted it to be a more universal thing and yes imagination it's it's an amazing story how that song came to be verlin thompson and i wrote it and we wrote the, all of the music first before we wrote a word of the lyrics and um he had just been to oklahoma to visit his family and he had been watching his his nephew out in the backyard. He was standing in the house, looking out the window, watching his his nephew. Had his nephew had a, a cape tied around his neck. He had a stick in his hand, and he was waving it around in the air and marching around the backyard. <laughs> and we just started describing lyrically his his nephew in the backyard. You know, dancing a melody. He lives in a song. Wherever he wants to be is where he belongs. Painting rainbows in the sky. Doesn't stay to watch them dry. And then we got stuck. Because <laughs> we didn't know what the next line was going to be. <laughs> but after we took a little break and came back, we realized oh, we just, we just described a butterfly in flight as well. And then we realized oh, the verses are like riddles. So this song, we used our imagination all the way through the writing of that song. We had no idea where it was going. I, the, the, the melody, the music was written from having a conversation about using your imagination, but we didn't write any lyrics till it was all done. So, yeah, it's kind of a magical song to me. But most all these songs are very magical to me. Um, on, uh, on Every Time a Train Goes By, that's another one. Again, flashbacks. I don't know that I've had an album that's provided as many flashbacks and maybe again being being a relatively new parent um, suddenly all of that starts coming back to mind perhaps but I grew up right literally next to train tracks here in Eau Claire on the north side of Eau Claire. My house was right right next to that and I didn't have the experience of like oh my gosh afraid of the train or anything but, but, I, but I definitely remember that but what it also brings to mind and I wonder if this for you what what was that and what was a similar thing for me it was thunderstorms storms would scare the heck out of me i mean fascinated by another to this day but they would scare me until finally there was that one day when i was eight years old and finally made the the crossover to like no this doesn't scare me anymore now i love love the ambiance of it and everything it's it's okay i mean when it's not dangerous it's 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 good what was that for what was that for you what what were the experiences that scared you and then you finally got over the hump and now you almost embrace it well this song is definitely autobiographical Mm -hmm. this happened to me we lived in a trailer park in kokomo indiana where i grew up uh that trailer park uh was not a very big one our trailer was on the back corner of the lot of all the trailers and our our drive that our trailer was here our driveway and then the train track i mean it, we were right on top of the train track and so as a three-year-old kid when that train came by i mean it shook the ground it it if i was in the trailer i could hear the dishes rattling in the cupboards and 
it was terrifying for a little bitty girl to hear and, and to see. I mean, it was just, it loomed large over me when it went by. Of course, I wasn't near it for a long time. But one day I realized, wait a minute, you know, it doesn't destroy anything when it goes by. It I, When I come back out from under the trailer where I've been hiding when it went by, it, it it's everything looks the same. So I just determined in that moment, I mean, at three years old, I, as I look back now and I can't really br- imagine that I was thinking like this as a three-year-old, but it, it was before my brother was born and he was born when I was three and a half. So I know I was three. And so the next time it, it was coming, I made myself stand out there and watch for the train and just stand there and not run. And I was terrified, but I didn't allow that terror or that fear to make me run. And I stood my ground and the beautiful surprise was is as the engine of the train got right beside me, the engineer leaned out and waved at me. (laughs) And And in an instant, I went from terror to joy. (laughs) <laughs> it was just, it was a, an experience that really was a foretelling of my life because I think all of our lives are really a series of us trying to do what we love to do in life and then facing all the fears around it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And and for me, that experience became very symbolic of, of facing my fears. And if something is scary in my life, what if I just stand still and meet it and allow myself to feel the fear and be open to whatever it might have to teach me and in that case it taught me that it was loud but it wasn't going to hurt me and just loud and scary doesn't mean it's going to harm me now sometimes it does and you know we have good human instincts sometimes we need to run uh but but in that case it it was a real a real life lesson for me with all of these songs having having meaning to you is there one that means the most of the 12 I don't think so. I think they all have their place in my heart. So it's hard to, to you know, I, I, I'm not much on judging anything or, or um, giving something more credence over something else. I, I think this, this, this album as a whole, all of these songs, it's like it, the album is like a piece of cloth and every song is, is a thread in the, woven into the cloth of this record so you know i think the reason i chose nature child which is a song on the album i chose it to be the title of the album because i felt like in so many ways it uh it held the core of the feeling of the record and for me uh in my own life as i've grown up (laughs) and gotten to this part of the time in my life i realized that i have more and more embraced nature as I have embraced my own true nature. And I think that has been a lot of focus inward for me, a a lot of uh, processing my life, looking at my life, learning from my life. And as I drop down into who I am more, I find myself out in nature more and, and just observing and feeling one with nature. So that song is, is really, uh, kind of a, a culmination at least to this point in my life of what is important to me and seeing myself not apart from the world yes i have a rich inner life and i'm also um a part of this physical world in a in a way that i feel like i'm i'm uh in a sense of harmony and peace with it 
and I'm paying attention, you know, I'm paying attention to things that I want to do to be a caretaker. I go out every morning and feed my birds and watch my squirrels and, 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 and just, uh, I, I'm really enjoying that. So that, that song really encapsulates kind of where I am at this point anyway. <laughs> you have nice turns of phrases, um, among the lyrics in, on the album, uh, clever rhymes and they kind of as I as as I see it especially what country music used to sound like especially I remember back when I I used to DJ on a a country station here in the building I mean literally through the window that's right over there is the country station that I started on two decades ago and I remember being impressed by the the turn of phrase in country lyricism Um, and I felt some of that in this in, in this set of lyrics and seeing you being main lyricist on this album, where do you get your lyrical inspiration, your, your sense of the, your use of the English language and the, the, the poetic sense that you have? Well, I think it starts with my mother. My mother worked for General Motors. My mom and dad both worked for General Motors, but my mom sat on an assembly line and as you can imagine, it's kind of mind-numbing work, just over and over, soldering this, putting this piece in, next, next, and it's going really fast. And my mom, uh, from my earliest memory, she would write poems and little songs, and she would have to hold them in her mind until break time. And at break time, she would tear off a corner of her lunch bag and, and write down the lyrics she was holding in her head. She would repeat them over and over so she wouldn't remember, wouldn't forget them. And I think I was around my mother from, you know, all those years and it was just second nature. My mother was just writing, you know, pretty often and uh, sharing little things she'd written. And so I knew it was possible to write, though that wasn't my main passion at that point. I just loved singing and I just wanted to sing. I wanted to move to Nashville, be a singer. Uh, And then I worked the first job, you know, really that I had those first four and a half years I was in Nashville was at a music publishing company, and I was around these fantastic songwriters. Dean Dillon, who wrote all those George Strait, a bunch of the George Strait hits. Kai Fleming and Dennis Morgan, who wrote a lot of my hits and a lot of Ronnie Millsap hits and Barbara Mandrell and on and on. Uh, I was around these really first-class songwriters that were very great lyricists, great at writing music. And, And I think I've gotten it by osmosis in a sense, but you know, toward the end of the 1980s, after that decade of touring, I had this sense that uh, something was changing inside me. It's like, I, I loved singing all these great songs that the writers wrote, but I felt like I wanted to express something that I was having to do between the songs on stage instead of during the songs. So I think I've just drawn on all of this osmosis of of understanding how songs are put together my one of my jobs at the publishing company was i typed all of the song lyrics into the database so i understood the structure of music i i these people that i worked with were my friends i i sang their songs i sang harmony on their demos i so i think i've gotten it just by you know learning from great people that i've been around and my mother starting there so that's that's really the history, and I, I really thank and I'm grateful for all those people because I think they've helped given me they've given me a sense of who I am as a writer now. There are a lot of great collaborators on this album as well, both lyrically, arrangement wise, yes. session yes. musicians galore. Um, 
I know there's so many we could be if you we went through all of them probably be here for another half hour going through each and every one but highlight some of some of the collaborators you work with on nature's on on a nature child well um the riders that i worked with uh were uh verlin thompson it started with him back in the late 80s probably between 1988 and 1990 we wrote half of this record six of the songs uh, and we wrote both lyrics and music together in the, in a room together. Uh, he is one of the most fabulous songwriters and singers and performers. Verlin Thompson uh, toured for many years, over 20 years with Guy Clark. And that's, um, you know, he's well known in the music industry. So, you know, having his expertise on as a writer on there, I, I really thank him. Uh, Tom Schuyler and I wrote the lyrics of Every Time a Train Goes By. And uh, Tom is just a fabulous, oh gosh, he's, you know, he wrote 16th Avenue. <laughs> and he was um, a part of a group that was on RCA for years, Skylar Noblock. Um, I'm trying to remember the rest of the, they were a group, a band. <laughs> anyway, uh, Tom is a great writer. And then Craig Bickhart, uh, on, we wrote together, If I Only Had Wings, on the record. And that was written, I think, sometime in the mid-1990s. And, and, I, and at the time, I wrote it with him thinking this could be on this record, having no idea it would be this long before I'd actually make this record. And then, of course, John Mock, who's my collaborator, one of my best friends in the world, um, co-producer, engineer on this record. John Mock and I wrote, during the recording of this record, we wrote, wrote four songs. Uh, we wrote Nature Child. We wrote Home Is, uh, Hey, 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 It's a New Day, and uh, Dancing Over an Emerald Isle. Those four we wrote during the process in, in 2020 while we were recording the record. So, yeah, I'm working with some really great people. And the musicians, <laughs> The ba there's two bass players on the, on the record, but um, Matt McGee I have worked with since 1983. He worked on the road with me all during the 80s, and huh. he is a fabulous bass player i mean the world should know when, when you hear him the bass playing on this record which you have it is world class it, it is that fabulous. jumped out to me yes yeah. it, absolutely mm -hmm. yeah and then of course don johnson's the other he played upright bass on several of the songs so but all these string players they're like they're the a a team in nashville they're the the top cream of the crop uh, you know john mock is a composer and uh, and that that's how he mainly thinks of himself as a composer. I think never thought of himself as a songwriter, but his music, the way he writes music, to me, there's a folky kind of feel to the way he writes melodically. And uh, I just I love writing lyrics to his music because it almost feels like the the lyrics are buried in the music, and all I have to do is listen really closely and just let them rise up out of the music. <laughs> That's how it feels. That's how special the music he writes is. Do you have Do you have a favorite either children's album or like it's like you said like inspirational dream focused album? Is there another one or several others that you go? You know what? Besides, obviously, your work, there's another one you'd point to people and say, you know, that's really solid. That's that's a good thing to, you'd want to have your kid listen to or yourself listen to to make you feel good and more inspired. Well, my 
all-time favorite album is by Harry Nielsen. <laughs> this may <laughs> surprise people. Now, I lo- I grew up on country music. I love lots of and Patsy Cline, and you know, all those people inspired me. Johnny Cash, all those people. But there's a record that when I first heard it many decades ago, it's called A Little Smielson in the Night. Uh, and it I've got it on vinyl, actually. It's, it's You can probably see vinyl here mm. behind me. It's right in front because I, it's my, my favorite record. And it's all orchestrated and it's, it's all standards. But every intro that the, that the orchestra plays and then he starts singing, the intro was a, to a different song. And then he starts singing this other song, but they're all standards. So you know all, these, all this music. That record inspires me more I, I cannot explain why it is just it's dreamy uh harry nielsen's vocals are just effortless he's just it, there's no push in anything so that's that's my record that's the record i just uh find if i want some inspiration just put that record on and i'm good <laughs> i'll have to give that one a listen i've, I've heard of N- nielsen schmilson i haven't deep dove too much more into his album tracks that i'm gonna have to give a listen to it some point sounds really fascinating yeah a little schmielsen in the night <laughs> I yeah, love- you, you'll love it i, I, I I'm, you're gonna be addicted i'm sorry no <laughs> i will plan accordingly for that i love how he makes the play or how he made the plays off of his name too it's a, a clever thing with that too um we are now yes. quickly before we, we go a couple questions about nobody but one in particular well one i've always been curious about and the other is more of a broad thing because of what this what this year is in terms of the significance of the song first considering you you had some early country era music videos and some well produced ones why was there no video to nobody that that i've seen anyway there isn't and I, I would like to know why too <laughs> i well i'll tell you it's it's because the label record label rca records at that time was so surprised at how well it did I, they they were totally caught by surprise they didn't know and none of us knew that it would be the big record that it was and i think by the time it took off i was on the road and I'm not even sure we could have made a video. I was I was doing 90 fairs in 120 days that summer. And that that fair season had been booked the year before before nobody was even recorded, I think. So it took us all by surprise and there's some performance videos when I did it on the CMA awards. You can see that online, but there's there's no no video Hmm. maybe in some ways that's a good thing you know because when people hear that song they relate it to their own life they don't think of the video that that's one of the things i always was concerned about in the early days of video making it's like i don't want people to just now when they hear the song think of the video i want them i want them to create their their own video in their head mm-hmm. it's, it's a tricky thing to do because of how associated videos become with with songs and sometimes the video can overtake it is there of of the videos you did is there a favorite of yours hmm i think you know those early i did some early performance videos i did in fact cmt cmt uh played the matador video mm-hmm. which is not one of my favorite songs i know a lot of people love that song but it's not one of my favorites because it's bullfighting and I you know it's people are hurting animals um so 
that was the first concept video that was played on CMT at the time. Uh, but I don't know that I have, I think, uh, I like just performance videos, really. I'm, I'm not much into the storytelling in that way. Now, I am making a series of storybook videos that are like lyric videos. <laughs> and we're using this theme of the, the, the book that's on the cover, and we're putting the, the lyrics on, on the picture behind. And it, we're, we've just finished making the second one, and we're going to make them in order like of the, of the songs on the record. Now that, I would imagine a parent and a child maybe sitting down with, with their iPad or whatever, their tablet, and, and listening to the music and, and reading the, vi the, the lyrics along and seeing the pictures. Uh, now that's a little different than, uh, you know, the kinds of videos people normally make. So. Coming up with a with a sketching out plots and all sorts of stuff like that, yeah, like little mini movies, you know. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, so second to last question for you. One more on on nobody. We're on the fortieth anniversary of the song now, and geez. that I <laughs> I know, but 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 that's a that's a that's a milestone. And top fifteen pop hit, top five AC, number one, of course, a country. You get the ACM award the next year. I mean, it's it's a significant moment. Looking back over the decades, how does it sit with you today, that whole experience? You were kind of describing it just a moment ago of what it was like in real time. 40 years on, how does everything and becoming a name that people know to this day, for, for especially those of us in the pop world, know you because of that song? What What does it mean to you today? I look back in astonishment, really, because that was not planned. It happened. You know, it's it's uh, you know, we always tried to make the best records we could make. And but you never can plan for a record to take on a life of its own like nobody did, because uh, it went up to number one on the country charts and it was starting to come back down. And uh, RCA had this meeting with the pro regional promotion people that week and said, okay, you know, on to the next record. And and, and one of the, the, the West Coast guy, Carson Shriver, said, no, 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 you don't understand. The biggest pop station in L.A. just went on nobody. They're, they're playing nobody. And it was like, what? <laughs> you know, they didn't make that happen. You know, of course, they facilitated it after they saw that pop radio was interested in the record, and they went for it. Thank goodness. I'm glad. But... Uh, what it was like as I look from this 40-year vantage point, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that I, because it really becomes a foundation in which I can make records like this. And people will still, like you, will want to talk with me about the new music I'm making. Uh, and and I hope it's an inspiration to people that at, at this time in my life, I'm still making music. I'm still writing music. I think I was taught, and most of us were taught when we were younger, that you're, the height of your creativity is in your teens and 20s. Bull. That is bull. You know, I am more creative now than I ever was in my 20s or 30s or 40s. It's, it's like you can take all this life experience and, and, and bring it to what you create. Uh, you, you don't have to. It doesn't. But, it, you know, it's funny. What we believe creates our reality. It truly does. And if I don't if I didn't believe I could do this, I wouldn't be doing it. Mm hmm. You know, so I, I hope it's an inspiration for people to look at their thinking. And if you're telling yourself, I can't do this, I can't do this. Well, guess what? You won't do it. But if you decide to say, well, what if I just say, hmm, I'm open. 
I'm open. I think I think I could do it. Okay, I'm going to do it. It's amazing how life comes to your aid mm-hmm. and just helps you do it. It is just fascinating. So looking back, I think my life so far has been just nothing short of miraculous. And I'm grateful. I'm thankful for the fans that are interested. I'm thankful for you for wanting to talk with me. And I'm just, I hope to keep creating. And that leads to the last question. What do you think you would, unless you already are starting, what do you think you would want to create next? What musically or lyrically is just kind of be pondering for a future project? Well, I'm, you know, at this point in time in my life, I've learned because things are changing so quickly in our lives that I don't set out big goals. Look at this record. I mean, this record began 32 years ago (laughs) in the writing, and it's taken this long. So, you know, I'm going to live my life day by day and ask this really great question that my coach gave me. What wants to happen? Stops the mind. Because if I say, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? There's kind of a push in it. But if I say, what wants to happen today? And then something usually rises up. Oh, go here, do that, call that person, write this. So I don't know what's next, but I, I know whatever it is, I want it to be filled with presence and um, no push in it, just joy. I want to create in joy. So there may be another record. There may not be. Uh, I know right now we're, we're very much passionate about creating these storybook videos for each song. So that will be, you know, the focus this year, I'm sure. Um, but I, you know, I can imagine going out on the road with this music and, and singing for families and children and, um, and, and just, that's that's where I am right now. Who knows what the future holds? <laughs> well, the now is plenty, uh, plenty fascinating. Nature Child, a dreamer's journey out now. Sylvia, it's been a, a, an absolute blast getting to talk to you today about the album and other aspects of your career. Thanks for doing this album. Really inspirational. And um, thank you. Looking forward to all those uh, future storybook videos coming out and more from you down the road. Thank you so much and all the best. Take care. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was a great interview with Sylvia. Again, the album, Nature Child, A Dreamer's Journey, it's out now. Um, If you go to her website, sylviamusic.com, straight up, sylviamusic.com, get information about how to get the album. You can get it on CD. You can stream it as well. All the information um, is there. It's streaming on a lot of the usual services like Spotify, Pandora, title um also you can follow sylvia on facebook sylvia country music on instagram and twitter at sy hutton that's h-u-t-t-o-n and you find a lot of those links as well online and follow everything that uh, sylvia is up to and as she was talking about still just whatever comes comes whatever creatively comes comes and i'll bet there'll be more to come from her in the future this is the latest edition of got time for a quick story thanks as always to my employer greatest hits 98.1 radio here in eau claire wisconsin for providing the facilities to do these interviews you can watch this interview the zoom interview the greatest hits 98.1 youtube channel also got a post up at the interviews page at greatest hits 98.1.com also thanks to uh, elizabeth waldman for helping to set up this um, 
interview and the person who called the radio station alerting us to uh, to this new album that uh, got the ball rolling on this thanks to you whomever you are for getting this started the podcast got time for a quick story you can find it on a lot of the usual platforms podcast platforms subscribe to it so you know when new episodes come out and uh, preferably rated higher so word gets spread around even more got time for a quick story i'm luke anthony